I want to talk to you today about the mystery. The title of the message, Bree, is The Mystery of the Kingdom. The Mystery of the Kingdom. If you would open your Bibles to Romans 16. Romans 16, 25 and 26 actually defines what Paul calls a mystery. It actually defines it. Romans chapter 16, verse 25 and 26. And the Bible says this. Now to him who is able to establish and strengthen you in the faith. I'm reading out of the Amplified. According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery of the plan of salvation. Which has been kept secret for long ages past. But now has been disclosed and through the prophetic scriptures has been made known to all the nations. According, now listen to this, according to the commandment or the orders, the commandment of the eternal God. Leading them to obedience to the faith. So, what is, the biblical, what is the biblical idea of a mystery? What is it? Well, Paul says it is a revelation that has been kept secret. But now, it went all these generations, all these years, being hidden, if you will, even though it was given through the prophetic scriptures, but the total understanding, and we'll talk about that, because First um, Peter talks about how they looked into things, but we'll cover that in a second. Um, it is something that has been made known to the nations, to the nations. And it came into being when God commanded it to come into being. So that, the, that's the biblical idea. Let me just say this. It's something which has been kept secret through times, eternal, but is now disclosed. A mystery is a divine purpose. A divine purpose. The mystery of the kingdom of God is a divine... The kingdom of God... See, let me just say this. You know, when you look at the book of Daniel... And you study the kingdom from the, pro, from the thought of Daniel. He thought that the kingdom of God would come when the Messiah came. And then even the disciples asked him, he says, well, when are you going to establish the kingdom? So the Jewish mindset was when the Messiah came, the kingdom would be established and the rule would go forth. But they never saw what Jesus was trying to get across. That the kingdom of God is now, but it's also in the future. It's also in the future. So it's a divine purpose. Hidden in the counsels of God for long ages. But, fi but finally disclosed. But here it comes. Here's the, here's the difference. For in the New Testament... It comes with a new revelation. A new revelation of God's redemptive work. 
basically this. How God worked in the Old Testament is now different in how God works in the New Testament. Because now Jew and Gentile are invited into the house of God. See, before you had to become a, a proselyte or a disciple of the Jewish nation. You had to, be a, you had to join Jew, Judaism. Today, you join church, Jesus, the assembly, not the, but the body of Christ, if you will. So it is, it is something that is disclosed, but with a new revelation for us to learn about. So the New Testament parables set forth, and when you look at the word set forth, it actually reveals, and it talks and not only is something revealed, but it also is described. So a parable is something that is, that is uh, a mystery, if you will, but it is, a, it is being revealed and described through everyday events. Through the events. It is the mystery of the kingdom. A new truth about the kingdom of God which was not revealed in the Old Testament. Okay, so this is the foundation. This is the foundation. Now let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. I'm going to read out of the NIV this time. 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently with the greatest care. Do you see that? The prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come, what did they do? They searched intently with the greatest care. They're going, wait a second, how's this all going to transpire? Trying to find out what? Trying to find out the time, the time. And the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. A major, a major shift in the prophetic, even in the Old Testament, trying to set the people of God, the Jewish people at that time, trying to set them up to receive the Messiah, even to receive Jesus. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of the things that have been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. So there was this, even though God was, was, was starting to unfold things through the prophets, he still kept this mystery, in a way, secret until Jesus came. And even the Baptist, John the Baptist said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Repent. So even John the Baptist, because remember when John the Baptist was in prison? He asked, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that was to come? In other words, he believed, but he still in his mind was not exactly sure how it was going to play out. You see what I'm saying? There wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of 
explanations. There was, there was the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. But even then, a lot of the Jewish people are still looking for that suffering servant. The Old Testament perspective of God's kingdom was, views, was viewed as a single event. Jesus would come, and then he would establish the kingdom right there. That is the way the Jewish people looked at the kingdom of God. A manifestation of God's power which would destroy wicked kingdoms and human sovereignty, filling the earth with righteousness. Okay? They thought, there it was. Here it comes. The kingdom is going to come. It is going to destroy all the wicked kingdoms. It's going to do away with all human rule. And it is going to reign in righteousness. But they thought it was going to come, what? When the Messiah came. They did not know that Jesus needed to die on the cross for the sins of the world to redeem mankind so that they could have the kingdom. So that those who believe could have the kingdom. The parables of Matthew 13 illustrate the kingdom of God, which is yet to come in power and great glory is present in form to bring to mankind in this evil age the blessings of the age to come. All right, let me just say it this way. Matthew 13 is an illustration or pictures of the kingdom of God, which is yet to come. So when you read Matthew 13, and I believe it's in Mark 4, when you read those two chapters, you are looking for pictures of the coming of the kingdom. The coming. And what is it, what is it, what is it trying to do? It is trying to release power. Power. So the illustrations or the pictures or the understanding of revelatory knowledge will bring you into a realm of power that the kingdom of God wants, to, wants us to enter into. Because it says, and great glory is the definition. Power and great glory. And it is present in the, and in the present form to bring mankind in this evil age, to bring mankind in this evil age, the blessings of the age to come. That's the kingdom. The more we understand the kingdom, the more that the power of God starts to work for our life. The more that we understand the kingdom, the more blessings of the age to come. Let me say it this way. The kingdom of God is in the future. But the kingdom of God is now. So every time you read something like the kingdom of God is at hand, it means it's there for the taking. It's there. That's the mystery. Now, 
in Matthew, we're going to get into this a little bit. But in Matthew 13, verse uh, 3b, or the last part of verse 3 through 9, so Matthew 13, 3 through 9, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still the other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. What is the path here? What is the path? Did you know that they would have a path in between the fields? They say like Deidre's field would be next to my field, and then there would be a major path between the fields. So as they went out and sowed, Deidre would be scattering her seed, and I would be scattering my seed, and some of the seed, because of the scattering, would blow, the wind would blow or something, but it would land on the path, the walkway, on the hard ground. That's the path. That's what was happening. There was paths in between the fields. The kingdom of God has come, the path. But it does not force itself. See, here's the thing about the path. This is what we need to know and understand about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has come, but it does not force itself upon mankind. I can't force you to come to church. I can't force you to get saved because it's not a true salvation. It's not a true desire. When people don't understand what is preached, the Bible says Satan or the fallen angels, because just think of every preacher that's preaching the gospel, Satan can't be everywhere because he's not omniscient. So he has to have the fallen angels, the angels, the territorial spirits, come and snatch away the seed. What is the seed? It comes and snatches away the truth. That's why two people can be sitting in the church. One person getting touched and the other person not being touched at all. Because the kingdom of God is within. It is within. It is out of a revelation that the kingdom is now. But it's also in the future. Everything that you need is now. Um... 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says that God has given everything to us and he has also given godliness to us. He has provided everything. 2 Peter 1 and 3. Now, that was my interpretation. I didn't quote the scripture, but that's what it says. What is the shallow or the rocky ground? It is people who hear the word of God, or they hear the kingdom. Remember, he who has ears to hear. What does this say? Well, it says this. 
They received it. They actually received the kingdom. Meaning that they made some type of response. But what happened? It was planted on shallow ground. Maybe it was an emotional move to go down. Maybe it was emotional to get saved. But somebody made a response. The kingdom. It's not the one that fell on the path where it didn't, it didn't produce anything. It was the one that actually fell on ground and it actually started to produce. But when testing comes, the little eternal life they have, the Bible says, it's burned up quickly. Whatever little bit of the kingdom they received, it got burned up quickly. Now, I'm going to tie all this together in a minute. But I want you to understand that the kingdom of God is now. But the fullness of the kingdom is in the future. And it is not, it will, in this age, it cannot be forced on anybody. Jesus will not force anybody. That's the mystery. What about thorny ground? They receive the kingdom. They believe. They show evidence of eternal life. However, the Bible teaches, or Jesus teaches, the cares of this age, or how about this, the enjoyments of this world. The enjoy. The enjoyments of the world. Stop any type of transformation that has that the eternal life or the reception of that eternal life and the cares of this world come in and choke out that eternal life or that transformation. Not only is it now a little bit of life and then burned up quickly, but now it is the reception of eternal life, the, the beginning of a transformation of eternal life, and then the cares of this world come in and choke that eternal life eventually out. You know my little light of mine? I'm going to let it shine. You see? What does it say? The kingdom of God has come among mankind. And yet, mankind can reject it. In any phase of anyone's life. I'll just give you an example. I'll give you an example. How about this? How many people actually reject the ministry of deliverance? Yet, 30% of all Jesus' miracles were deliverances. They reject it. They reject that part of the kingdom. It, that part of the kingdom is snuffed out. You may know it in church language as stronghold. It is a stronghold in the mind. If you're called to the healing ministry, you're called to the deliverance ministry. Because you can't be a successful, you can't be successful in praying for the sick unless you cast out. 
You can't. Because they're too intertwined. They're too intertwined. Now, you'll have success in healing, but like the healing ministers today, they say, well, you know, 25 to 35% get healed in their meetings. Well, you could take that 25 and 35 and double it if you entered into curse breaking and deliverance. Because spirits of infirmity, contracts would be broken by the confession. You would break contracts with evil, with sickness by confession. I repent, I renounce, and I break. See, the kingdom of God has come among, among man, but it can be totally rejected. Or it can be rejected in part. Look what happened to a lot of the people in the New Testament. Some of them deserted Paul. Some of them fell dead at the feet of, uh, at the feet of Peter because Ananias and Sapphira decided to reject. The kingdom of God has come in power, but we choose. We choose. We choose to pursue the kingdom every day. Every day. That's the only way the kingdom comes. This is why Paul can go on to say that I need to know him. I need to know him. Listen to what Jesus says. You know, when we, I was talking just a few minutes ago about how people can reject deliverance. But yet, listen to the words of Jesus himself. God says, out of the New King James, Luke 11 and 20, But if I, Jesus speaking, cast out demons with the finger, or meaning the power of God, the finger of God, surely, Jesus says, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Really? You mean if you're going, this is what Jesus means. If you're going through deliverance, the kingdom of God has come upon you? Exactly. That's what he says. Same thing with healing. Same thing with prophetic words. I just use that as an example. Because there's a lot of people, listen, some of the major prophets right now are calling the church to come back to the deliverance ministry. And I'm talking about the major prophets. I'm not talking about the younger major prophets. I'm talking about the senior prophets like Cindy Jacobs that has been tried and proven over years. That's why back in, I think I've said this before, that's why when we met, when we met and we were laying out our agenda for, for 2021, I was talking to them, I said, I'm feeling that we need to get back to doing a corporate deliverance service on Friday nights. Now, will that go through the whole year? I don't know. But it's going to go for a while. Here's the mystery. This is, this is amazing. God's kingdom 
is working among men. This is the mystery. It's working. We talked about that in Bible class today. Uh, it's, it's working among men, but he will not make men bow before it. You mean everything that I don't bow to in the kingdom of God, I'll never receive? That's exactly what I'm telling myself. I have to bow to it. In other words, what am I saying? Along the way, mankind, in the kingdom or out of the kingdom, is making choices. And the choices that people make will be the product of what they receive in the kingdom. That's true. Listen, in the Philippians 2, concerning God is not going to make men bow. Philippians 2, 9 through 11, in the New King James Version, Therefore God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him, Jesus, the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee, remember, and Paul says, every knee should bow. Those in heaven and those on the earth. All realms of authority and power. And of those under the earth. Even the ones in the depths of Hades. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Now, notice, every knee should bow. That is a willing choice. Now, when Jesus comes back, every knee will bow. When Jesus comes back, every tongue will confess. But today, today, Paul is talking about the church age here. He's talking about the age of the church. Every knee should bow. In other words, we should have such a revelation of Jesus as the king of the kingdom. And it should drive us to our knees to bow to everything that he is asking us to do. That's why sometimes when somebody doesn't get healed, and I've anointed them with oil, laying hands on the sick, uh, done, hey, is unforgiveness, taking them, maybe taking them through inner healing. I've done something, I've done just about everything that the Bible tells me to do. Then I ask them, what is it that you, what is it that Jesus is trying to, trying to get you to do that you're resisting him? And they usually have something. And then they confess. And I say, repent. And then they get healed. It's amazing. It's amazing that every knee should bow. Knowing that every knee will bow. Notice that it's every tongue should confess. But every knee or every, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. You know, even the demons don't like to do this. I used to make those demons in my early days. I used to make them confess that Jesus is Lord. 
They didn't like that. And a lot of times they say they use, and a lot of times they would say, Jesus will be Lord. And this is the point they were making. We have a right to operate right now, but when he comes, he's going to take away all our rights to operate. Therefore, the mystery of the kingdom. God's not going to force anybody in. It's going to be the free will of man, how we progress in this kingdom. Even though the kingdom has been given to you, been given to me, it is the choice that I make to be here at Bible study, to be here at prayer, to do the things that I need to do with my family. It is my choice. I think what most everybody in the, in the body of Christ that has survived anywhere over five years needs to pay attention to number three, which is the enjoyment of this world. I have so many people that like to have, and there's nothing wrong with this stuff, but it is placing it someplace above what they're supposed to be doing. They come with tickets to season tickets to the Cowboys or the Mavericks or something. Therefore, therefore, the kingdom comes to a willing heart and a submissive will. You know what? I think most of us want to submit, but we need to understand there is a nature that, this, this nature on the inside that wants to resist, and it blocks the willing heart. It blocks the willing heart, because it's in the heart that David says, give me, Psalm 51, give me a clean heart, O God. It means... Change my nature. And then the product here is some will, some will 30, some 60, and some 100. In other words, those who choose to bow will receive greater things in this age than in the age to come. And I really hate to tell you, I really hate to tell you, but there are rewards in heaven. You can't read Mark chapter 10 and Jesus' teaching there somewhere around the 35th verse about the riches and the rewards when Peter says, well, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. And he says, not only will you have a reward in this life, but you'll have a reward in the life to come. There are rewards for sacrificing and coming out of this world. Not everybody will be the same in the kingdom of heaven. It is our day-to-day -day choices. It's our life choices. You're saying, oh, Brother Bruce, you preach a hard gospel. No, I'm here to tell you, this is the, this is the road. I have to walk this road myself. The good seed means the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. The harvest is the close of this age. 
in this parable. Look at verses in Matthew 13, 38 and 39. It is the close of the age. At the end of this age, the angels will come and separate. Uh-oh. Maybe I should rub a little people here. What did, it, what did Jesus actually just say? At the end of this age, the angels will come and separate. At the end of the age. The day of the Lord. Doesn't look like a little seven-year relief. At the end of the age, the angels will come and separate the wheat from the tares. What is the field? It is the world. It is this evil age. Coming to the end of the message. Jesus teaches from the parable that the kingdom has come. It is here and it is working among you. Yet wicked men still come or, or still continue to live in the midst of the kingdom. I don't know why I feel led to say this, but I need to tell you right now, whoever this is for, I'm here to tell you right now, I don't care what's going on about your relationship with the Holy Spirit, but no immoralitor will inherit the kingdom of God. No one. It's the word of God. You're saying, well, I, I'm touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. I've, I'm drawn to read my Bible. I'm still stuck in immorality. Well, guess what? That touch and that Bible is trying to bring you out of that that's going to keep you from entering. Let's just get real about it. So here it is. Here it is. This is the scripture verse that jumped out of my Bible years ago, back in 1998. Bam, up and down, up and down. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. First time I ever had the word of God start jumping up at me. Mark 4, 24. Now listen to what Jesus is. And you know what? It doesn't make a lot of sense in the... It doesn't make as much sense as it does when I pull it in the Amplified. Then he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Remember? He who has ears to hear about the kingdom. Today you have heard the kingdom. And we'll get into it a lot deeper as we go. But your own standard, listen to this, the Amplified. By your own standard of measurement, that is, to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom, it will be measured to you. Doesn't it just say what I just preached? Doesn't it say that... It's going to be my choice to bow. It's going to be my choice to yield. The, the, by my own standard, 
of measurement. That means whatever measure I'm willing to allow to come in from the kingdom. This is why back in the day, years before this Bible, the, it did all this, I came away with one conclusion in, when I started to get into the healing and deliverance ministry. I said, oh my God. I said, my goodness. You know what? Let God be true and every man a liar, including me. That was my rule. That little Romans 3, 1, 2, or 3 scripture. But my saying was, let the Holy Spirit be true. So the standard of measurement to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom, it will be measured to you. But listen, and you will be given even greater ability to respond. Not only will you be able to respond to the measure that you apply godly truth to, but God will give you even a greater measurement to respond to. A greater ability to respond to even truths that you did not seek out. How about all this stuff? You know, God, I'm going to tell a quick story and then I'm done. This is the quick story. I'm on my way. I think I've shared it before. But the very first time I realized that I was in a major God encounter, I was doing, I was at a lady's house with the, with the team members. And they, we were there to do it. We were there to do a deliverance session. She was part of the deliverance team that I was a part of in uh, 1998, 1999. And what happened was, is uh, I was wrestling, the devil was wrestling with my mind about all this inner healing and all this other stuff. So, I'm sitting there doing a deliverance. Next thing you know, the demon comes up and he looks up at the ceiling as high as he could look. I just got blinded. And, and he just started screaming. This lady just started screaming. And I'm going, whoa, what's going on? And then the next thing I know, I'm sitting there in that chair watching a two and a half hour deliverance that the Holy Spirit did on this lady. And I'm sitting there going, oh my goodness, oh my. Just watching the whole thing. All those thoughts in my mind went right out the window. I'm no more wrestling with that. Not going to deal with that anymore. This is the way it gets done, you know. And the demons would be screaming, you know, and Jesus would, I couldn't hear what Jesus would say, but I could hear the demons confessing to Christ. I could hear the altars getting saved with Christ. This stuff and these people that have all these ideas about there's no inner healing, there's no dissociative identity, um, I don't talk to demons, all this crazy stuff is not, it might be for you and the way God has called you to do it, but you can't judge somebody that does it. Because I have history with God over this. I have people that I can point you to. Go tell them. So, and more will be given to you besides. Not only will it be 
not only will it be a greater ability to respond to more than what you put your study to, but even more than that, the, uh, Jesus says, more will be even given besides if you study what the greater ability to respond to. In other words, it's endless, church. It's endless. 